the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. You know, the focus of this program is from the scripture, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Psalms 37, verse 3. It's my life verse, and it's a verse that I like to share on this program because we like to talk about the faithfulness of God. And uh, with me today is Brittany Malcolmson, and uh, she's the college pastor at Reach Church in Kirkland. And Brittany, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, uh, I like to hear the stories of of believers. And on this program for the last few years, we've got to hear lots of stories. Some of them have dramatic uh, times of of, uh, stress and and, uh, trauma in lives where the Lord's brought them out of it. Other times there's stories of of just living life and God being faithful. And uh, so I'm interested to hear your story because you and I have just really met. Yeah. And so I'm learning for the first time about you and and about uh, your life in ministry. So uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, you are currently uh, the college pastor at Reach Church in Kirkland, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been on staff for the last over over a year. Um but I've been with the church since we started five years ago. So I started as a junior in college. We helped plant the church as a bunch of students. Um, obviously, the lead pastor was not a college student at the time, mm. but there was a bunch of us students at Northwest University that really helped plant the church. So it was incredible to be a part of something that new and just following Jesus together. Um, and then the church has really kind of exploded in the last five years. And so um, just having a call of ministry on my life, it was, it's been incredible to be a part of just all that God's done in the last five years. And yeah, then I came on staff a little over a year ago. Yeah. Well, let's uh, march back a few years in time and tell me a little bit about your life uh, growing up. Did you grow up around this area? Yeah, I grew up in Olympia, so state capital. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I um, grew up in a home where my mom and her family were all Catholic. And so she would take my brother and I to Catholic mass with her on Sundays and her whole, her whole side of the family would go sit together. Um, and I have these incredible, very hardworking parents that are still together today and, um, love them, have a great relationship with them, but, um, did grow up in a house where one parent went to church and one parent did not. And, um, the best way I know how to describe, Um, my salvation is just that Jesus came for me. Like he came after me Um, because I would, I remember being in 
fourth grade and sitting in this Catholic mass, and I barely understood a word, you know, of what's being said. And I specifically remember the uh, Sunday where the priest was talking about um, the passage in Isaiah 6 of Here I Am, Lord, Send Me, and I just had this overwhelming sense of, yes, that's how I, that's what I want to say too, Here I Am, Lord, Send Me. And it really started this process um, as a fourth grader, like really young, um, of me just wondering, like, I have these incredible parents in this beautiful home, and I love my family, and it just felt like everything was awesome, and yet there was this void that I, as a young girl, could not fill and could not figure out, and just really remember feeling like, if this is all there, if this is all of it, and it's still not enough, what will ever be enough? And so that um, that time in that Catholic Mass really started that journey of me asking questions and um, just in the Lord's provision and faithfulness. Um, about a year later, when I was in fifth grade, um, this family moved to town, and I ended up meeting this girl named Natalie, who her and her family just walked with the Lord and were just full of integrity and authenticity. And I would eat dinner at their house, and they'd have worship music playing, and they just would talk about the Lord and it really grabbed my attention. And even that that girl um, who was my close friend for a very long time, Natalie, she would talk about her relationship with the Lord as if it was a relationship. And being from this Catholic background, I it kind of made me ask questions like she'd say she was praying and God responded to her and or, you know, God said this back. And I'm like, wait, he talks, you know? And mm. so it really... Um, they got me my first Bible, which I just devoured. I remember getting this little tiny um, blue Bible that um, I started in the book of Luke. And I remember even now I go back and just laugh at it because I highlighted the first three chapters of the book of Luke, the whole thing. And this is like, you know, Jesus's birth story. And I just thought the whole thing was right. needed to be highlighted. So it was that kind of the Lord just grabbed my heart and mm. Um, it filled that thing in me that uh, I couldn't figure out what would ever fill it. And and because of that, I followed him. And by the grace of God, I've never looked back. It's been a really radical yeah. walk. <laughs> so was there a, a point in time where you, you know, prayed a, a, a prayer to receive Christ? Or was it just kind of a, a sense of knowing? Yeah, I would say um, I'd say it was a progression. Um, mm-hmm. There was a season you know, and I think when you're so young, um, and pe- people do this no matter the age, but you kind of give your heart to Jesus every time there's an, <laughs> a call, you know, right. because I'm just like, yes, I love him. I'm all in. And um, so that went on for a season before I realized, like, the one time was great, you know. And uh-huh. um, But it really, it was a progression of um, changing my life, obviously, and um, he changed my heart and then my habits change and, you know, mm-hmm. but... It really, um, it was a big deal in my house. Well, I was going to ask, so how did your parents respond to that? Were you, did you articulate what was going on in your heart or was, you know, I realize you're, you're a fifth grader, so it's, yeah. it, you know, but yet how did they see that? Um, they um, did, I don't think I ever articulated it because, like you said, I was so young. Right. I don't know if I had the verbiage to say, like, God's doing something in me, and right. <laughs> I'm a new person. Right. But they did notice my behaviors, um, especially that family had bought me a Bible. And I am already a reader, but I would just devour the thing. Mm. And it really took them by surprise. And I always wanted to be in youth group. I actually started leading worship for the youth group, which was middle school and high school, as a sixth grader. 
And so that really propelled me deep with the Lord because I realized if I'm going to lead people into the presence of God, I need to know who this God is. Hmm. And um, so anyways, through more radical, radical steps following the Lord, my parents actually thought I joined a cult, like legitimately. Mm-hmm. And that was a very, very trying season of, um, you know, at this point I'm late middle school, early high school, um, as my life is just continuing to um, follow Jesus more and more deeply. And they, um, they'd never seen anything like it. And mm-hmm. um, I remember they'd sit me down and just say, we're nervous about how you see the world. And, you know, the world doesn't work the way that you think it does. And and now I look back and I'm like, they loved me. And, yeah. they, you know, it wasn't like they're not crazy. They just did not understand. They'd never seen what was happening. And it's their daughter, their firstborn, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it, that was really hard, though, to feel like I was – there was times um, – where I felt almost persecuted in my own home and um, like my punishments or discipline, I guess would be a better word, is that I couldn't go to church or I couldn't read my Bible. It was taking away those things that felt like this is my life, you know. Um, Wow, you've got a similar story as my wife. Really? She she was not Catholic but grew up in a mainline, uh, uh, not Pentecostal, mainline (laughs) denominational church, uh, very traditional and those same kinds of dynamics happening, parents yeah. concerned, and then, you know, she was attending another church yep. and met me and all <laughs> sorts of crazy things, you yeah. know, and, and they're, th- they're thinking that she's got kind of gone off the deep end, yep. you yeah. know. So it was painful, but the sweet thing is um, eventually my mom um, was like, well, I want to hear what you're listening to on a Sunday, um, you know, because I started going to church with this other family. Mm-hmm. And so she was curious, and she attended, and she has never stopped going. And (laughs) so she is just – it's been amazing to watch her journey, too, of just – you know, she always – and we – she taught us that God was real, and we knew those kind of things, my brother and I. But um, I've seen a a shift in her where, you know, she's going on prayer walks, and she's – um, we're having conversations that we didn't have before, and it's just been beautiful to witness and see the faithfulness of God to yeah. to use what was so painful for me when I lived under their roof to bring his daughter home to him, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he just – he'll use the craziest things to save yeah. who he, yeah. <laughs> he has in mind. Well, not to get into some sort of doctrinal discussion here, but it's interesting how the Lord used the the message in a in a Catholic uh, environment yeah. to reach you. Yeah. And, you know, there are many Protestants who have a difficult time with, with, with a Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, those of Catholic faith, and yet there is a lot of gospel yeah. that is preached. It was the Word. It was the Word. Yeah. And in, in those masses, you know, there's probably more Word preached yeah. than in some True. traditional uh, Protestant point. churches yeah. in yeah. these days. And so... I appreciate because the word has power, doesn't yes. it? Yes, and that was it. I mean, it wasn't anything the priest said. I don't know what the commentary was surrounding right. that phrase, but there was something about "Here I am, Lord, send me" that just resounded through me. Yeah, you know, in my life, I think. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, <laughs> tell me about high school. Uh, yeah, so thankfully, I went to high school with that girl, and we were kind of the only ones. Um, Natalie, who had um, really helped me come to know the Lord. Um, we're kind of the only ones. My freshman year, well, I guess I should back up and say when I got saved, it was this radical turn. And, you know, I look back and just sometimes 
not mortified, but in a way like, oh my gosh, I was so bold and so audacious in telling people about Jesus. But um, my freshman year, I started a um, like a, cl- a morning club for people who wanted to know about Jesus and follow him. And we called it CPOP, which stood for Capital's Power of Prayer. My high school is Capital High School in Olympia. Um, so yeah, did that. Um, kind of just had this boldness to follow the Lord. And um, I guess I should also say that when I um, came to know the Lord and started following him, it was pretty soon after that that I felt a strong call to ministry and um, vocational ministry. And so I think um, throughout high school, I was growing in that, like I said, leading worship um, every Sunday for our youth group and um, just growing in leadership. And I'm so thankful to have youth pastors down in Olympia who really believed in student leadership and really gave me the microphone constantly. Like I look Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, they, that was risky, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, they let me start a, um, a girl's book club Bible study uh, my senior year before I left for college. They just let me, whatever God was putting on my heart, um, not without, you know, guardrails and and bumpers in place, but they really did like believe in the call of God in my life and um, really uh, enabled me and propelled me to flourish in Mm. leadership, even in a young age. So I'm very thankful reflecting back on that season. Yeah. So you had some really good mentors that you were able to model your some of your ministry now huh? oh yeah yeah and i it's sweet because i have that same heart about student leadership where i feel like i want to give that to people you know uh-huh. um i want to see disciples making disciples i think that would be probably the tagline of my heart for ministry is that it's not um it's not all on my shoulders like these students are able to make disciples you know and disciples who then make disciples mm-hmm. and it goes on and on the great commission yeah so what was your decision making like for, for what school to go to? Yeah, um, well, I wanted to go to Hillsong in Australia, like every other person my age at that time. Uh-huh. Um, and God really shut that door down. Uh, my parents did not want me to go to another continent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the firstborn, like one of my mom's close friends. Basically, um, we just have always had a great relationship. So. They asked me to stay in Washington, <laughs> and um, yeah, I had a friend who went to Northwest University, really introduced me to the school, and landed there, um, and yeah, it's it's sweet to look back on that, too, and see that it's not what I would have chosen, and yet it was so the Lord, obviously, mm-hmm. and he just, um, he gives us so much better than we could ever plan for ourselves, you know. You know, it's interesting, because the Lord does help guide us through those times in our lives when, you know, even the needs of the family, the Lord understands and yeah. can use that as kind of a directional yeah, signal. You're right. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. That that even though in our immature ways, sometimes as young people, there's this thought, well, you know, the Lord wants me to go to Australia or the Lord wants me to go to this mm-hmm. far, far flung place. Yep. But yet there's those fa- those family issues that sometimes bring us back into a local area like you did with, with for you at Northwest yep. but yet that was really the the direction the lord wanted you to go absolutely even yeah. though sometimes in the in the in the flesh you know you're like hey the lord's got this grand yes australia's exciting <laughs> yeah some <laughs> great people but yet the lord he puts you in that in that place mm-hmm. So tell me about how then that call to ministry. You mentioned earlier that you yeah. felt early on that the Lord was calling you into vocational ministry. 
for those that are listening, they may not know what that means. What yeah. is vocational ministry? Yeah, in my mind, vocational ministry is um, it is my my nine to five. I mean, ministry isn't nine to five, but it is, for lack of a better word, my nine to five job. Um, what I am getting paid for, and that's that's what I do now. But uh-huh. yeah, yeah, but you're not doing it because you're getting paid, correct? But yet, that is part of what your yes, responsibilities are. It is a are. very interesting, yes, dynamic. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, you don't want to tell them that you do it for free, but... but <laughs> totally. Exactly. But, it's weird. Yes. But it is strange because that's your passion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about life as a college pastor at a church. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really thankful to be... Uh, where we are in Kirkland is about five minutes, seven minutes from Northwest University, which is um, where I went to undergrad. And um, we also pull from UW and SBU and Bellevue College. And so there's just so many colleges surrounding us. So it's been awesome, um, I think, for the Northwest University students to get to be in a community where there's UW students that are just worlds apart, you know. Um, I think UW students are refreshed by the fact that there's people who get to talk about Jesus in their classrooms and are going to chapel throughout the week. And then the Northwest students are refreshed by the fact that there's conversations about what it's like to be a Christian studying pre-med at U- the University of Washington. And um, so it's just, it's really, I think, refreshing for that, those different dynamics to come together and be in community um, with one another. And yeah, um, I think throughout the week, we meet on Thursday nights, have a small group format. Um, and then we also break out into what we call DNA groups, which are um, like three to four, the same gender meeting together, studying the Bible. So we um, actually just this week are starting a rhythm where we'll do the DNA groups one week, all together the next, DNA groups then the next week, all together. Um, and really excited about that. And that's a place where we can have student leaders step up and um, lead those smaller groups. So our whole team, student leader team, and then the couple of us adults, quote unquote, who run it, um, are really excited about this new chapter. But um, yeah, my week is filled with meeting with students, um, one-on-one discipleship, um, leading student leaders, and then um, a lot of meetings just for us as a staff talking about um, what's going on in the week, what's heavy, what's hopeful, what God's doing, how he's leading us, um, praying through those things together. So yeah. did I answer your question? I don't know. You did. <laughs> you know, as I was thinking about doing this interview with you, and, and I was I was thinking about you in, in college, uh, ministering with college students, and I'm thinking, you know, that's the age of my grandkids, okay? Wow. I'm 63 years old, uh-huh. and I got married young, and, and my grandkids are, are one still in high school, one's out of high school, one's, you know, um, uh, college age. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how would I – could I really relate to, to a, you know, a person that age, yeah. to that uh, – well, they're now what called what Gen Xers, Gen Ys. What are what are what are what are these? Yeah. What's this generation yeah. now? Yeah, I I don't know what the name is. I know. Anyway, <laughs> but but thinking, you know, do I really understand the current needs of of this generation, yeah. the generation that you're ministering mm-hmm. to? And I, you know, and can they relate to a 63 year old guy talking to them? You I know? think and, they can. Uh, I, I hope so. But uh, you know, what are the if you were if you were going to to be simple about or give us a, a simple explanation, what yeah. would you say are the current needs of this generation? Yeah, um, we recently just finished two weeks of talking about mental health on Sundays, which was a profound um, 
study together. We brought in one of my seminary professors this last Sunday to talk about the subject. And one of the things that came up, um, because there's been an increase in youth specifically of anxiety and depression, like a pretty high increase just in the last few years. And we were talking about the reason being um, cell phones. And mm. one, the news. I mean, that's just it's always the the horrible things that make the news and that then have our attention. But beyond that, I think even more so is social media. And the like. it's this constant comparison and um, feeding something in our brain that's like an addiction, but we all applaud the addiction, you know, or no one um, – no one says that it's not a great thing or is going against that social media. So um, I think as a college pastor, I think the conviction on my heart and I think the call on my life, if I had to really put it in a phrase, is to so contagiously love the Lord and his word that other people would want to as well. Um, and that's not, um, you know, I think about Jesus and when he was with the disciples and he um never sat down with them and said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Instead, there's a point where the disciples said, will you teach us how to pray? And I think it's because they'd been around Jesus praying and they realized, okay, he's doing something that we're not. Can you, can you explain this? And I think as people who are discipling others, that's, that's what we're invited into by the Lord is to live our lives so contagiously that other people start asking questions and other people say, okay, I see that you love the word. How did you start loving the word? And what Mm -hmm. does that look like in your life? And so um, I think on Thursday nights when I meet with college students or in one-on-one contexts, I am not trying to come from a place of telling them how to live their lives. I feel compelled to come from a place of this is my relationship with the Lord. This is, um, you know, Ben, my husband's relationship with the Lord, like really presenting thriving relationships with the Lord that other people Because that's how I found the Lord. You know, I saw this girl in fifth grade who had a relationship with Jesus, and that was the attractive thing. It wasn't the do's or the don'ts or, um, you know, those kind of things. And so um, I think when it comes to the needs of college students, yes, there's something about knowing those needs. And I think social media is a huge one that steals in Mm. so many ways from abundant life with Jesus and um, walking our own path of calling and following him. But um, along those lines, or maybe even more so, we're called to live our lives in a way that we attractively follow Jesus. And that doesn't mean perfectly, and that doesn't mean um, that there's a one-size-fits-all, but I think that's the thing that is going to grab students' attention. Yeah. Well, we have a couple minutes left. And so uh, how would you encourage the parents of a college student or a a high school student, maybe they're in their senior year, as they're trying to... Uh, move, uh, they're going into the next stage of their life. Maybe they're going to graduate this June. And mm-hmm. and how is a, the parents that are listening, how would you encourage a parent yeah. to, to help their child navigate to this next season in their life? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the answer that you saw coming, but um, I would say authenticity and vulnerability, um, having conversations with your children from a really transparent place. I think a lot of um, people today are coming from homes where emotions weren't talked about or the mistakes that parents made weren't talked about. And um, no one is looking to to follow a perfect human. You know, that's what Jesus is, and he's attractive for that. But um, we open up and we're honest when we, when we see that reflected to us. And so create 
safe places for your children by being authentically yourself and talking about your own struggles with the Lord or um, different seasons of doubt and wrestling. I think um, if a student knows that they can always be honest with where they're at and always accepted, we are reflecting the love of God to someone. Um, and so creating those spaces within our homes, which starts with you, it starts with you sharing what's go- really going on, and that'll create a safe space for them. Is Yeah. Well, we've got about 30 seconds left. If oh. someone wants to get a hold of you and uh, connect with you or yeah. have their kid connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so um, if you want to search Reach Church, we're in Kirkland, and um, you'll find me on the staff page, and you can shoot an email. Um, there will also be a tab for college ministry and our internship program, so either of those, um, you'll be able to find me. And then social media is Brittany Malcolmson. Yeah. Well, Brittany, I want to thank you for joining me today thank on you. Heart of the City and sharing your story. Again, if you want to uh, get a hold of Brittany, you can go to reachchurch.cc, and that's uh, the Reach Church is uh, meets at Lake Washington High School in Kirkland. And uh, Brittany, thanks a lot. Today. Thank you. been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to the word seattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.